This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. It's your weekly blitz with Chris, keeping you in the game. Are you ready to supercharge your auto repair business? This is Coach Chris Cotton from AutoFix Auto Shop Coaching. The weekly blitz is where industry expertise and business innovation collide, getting your engines revved up for the week ahead. Every episode is loaded with game-changing insights, up-to-the-minute industry updates, and practical tips to shift your business into high gear. We're talking about stuff you didn't even know you didn't know. Big shout out to our awesome sponsor, Shop Marketing Pros. Are you looking to shift your shop's marketing from zero to hero? Trust us, you don't want to gamble your livelihood on amateur marketing moves. Go pro with Shop Marketing Pros, your ticket to top-tier results. Find out how they can feel your success at shopmarketingpros.com forward slash Chris. So, hey, everybody, I got the boss lady on. I got Mrs. Kimberly Cotton here. This is going to be an interesting show. It's going to be a little bit out of our norm. This is episode 150, so it's a special one to me. I never thought we'd do one. It wasn't even on my radar, let alone 100, let alone 50. And if you'd asked me three months ago if I'd ever got Kimberly on an episode, the answer would have been hell no. There's no way she's going to get on here. But this is a topic that going to kind of let her take the lead on and talk this through. What's going on is her brother needed and needs a kidney. By the time this airs, we'll still be less than 10 days out. We're going to talk about the kidney donation process, some of the stuff that she's gone through and things like that. Good morning, Kimberly. How are you? I'm all right. Good morning. That's good. This is going to be like pulling teeth today, right? So we'll, so we'll see. So that's good. It is a good morning. Anytime I get to spend time with you and uh, we're doing this together, I love it. I know this is out of your wheelhouse and out of your comfort zone. So again, uh, we're talking about the process, the the kidney do- donation and everything. What were your first thoughts when your brother asked you to see if you would be willing to do that and if you do the testing for compatibility and everything? Okay, so we need a little backstory here. Back last March, our family went on a cruise. At that time, I'd known he'd had problems his entire life, but I didn't know the extent or how bad it had gotten for his kidney function. So we were all sitting around just hanging out and just out of the blue, his wife, my sister-in-law mentioned that, hey, he's not doing well and he's probably going to have to have a kidney donation. I was absolutely floored. I was like, excuse me, where's this come from? I didn't understand because as far as I knew, he had been taking medication and going to his doctors regularly and They don't communicate very well. And so I was getting all my knowledge from my mom. Up until that point, I had no idea that it had gotten as bad as it had gotten. And it was starting really to affect his quality of life. So first of all, I was completely stunned. And they didn't even ask. It was just, okay, what do I need to do? I'm your closest match. I'm the best person possibility at this time. So what do I need to do? So they didn't really ask me. It was more me just saying, okay, what do we need to do? How how can we fix this? So that's where that was. I asked my mom, I was like, when did he first start having issues? And she said, it was when he was six years old. We just took him in for a regular checkup. And when they did the urine analysis, he had blood in his urine. 
And so they sent him to Oklahoma City and they did some testing on him. But at the time, they couldn't really figure out what was going on. He was born in 76, so he's six years old. I don't know if they just didn't know at the time or just didn't have the resources. I don't know, but they couldn't really figure out. But he was in the hospital for a couple of days for a lot of tests. And so we knew he's had issues, but it didn't really seem to bother him. Fast forward to when his second daughter was born, he started having more issues and it became more severe. And so they started giving him medications. I don't know what the medications are. I just know that he had to check his blood pressure and I would just check in every once in a while just to make sure. And as far as I knew, everything was okay. He was, and it seemed to be fine. Fast forward to last March. And that's when basically we were told that he was going to have to have a kidney from, if not me, something. And that's where we are. And to set the stage, like you said, we were on a cruise, but this is not like they pulled us into a separate private area. I think we were at the red bar playing Uno and it just kind of like came out and, and it's like, boom, it wasn't private place. It wasn't anything like that. It's just like, boom, here you go. But I will say, not that I expected you to ask me and not that um, really in this case, my opinion would matter very much, but there was absolutely zero hesitation on your part to do this for him. He's family. He's my brother. And I'm going to do anything I can to help him. That's why we're here. And for context, little brother. And then so for those of you that are listening, I prepared really she has a glass of water and (laughs) and plenty of tissues. She's good to go because I expected this to happen. So we go through that. You basically at the point said, yes, what do I need to do? Or how do we need to move forward? My naivete or whatever. I just thought basically you went, they did a blood test. Yeah, you're compatible. You're both A positive, whatever. Boom, you're good to go. But I was flabbergasted by the amount of work that goes into the approval process. And this is one of the big reasons I wanted to put this out there and share it was in case anybody else is going through this or thinking about it, I feel like you need to know what all is involved in the process. So can you kind of walk us through what you had to go through to get for the testing and then the approval process? My brother gave me a name for the, it's called a living donor coordinator. And we're doing this all in Tulsa. They live just north of Tulsa. And so this is where it's all coordinated through. And this is all that this person, this lady does. She coordinates and she's actually in the surgery and stuff like that. So I contacted her to let her know, I want to start getting tested. What what do I need to do? So she sent me a list of things that I was going to have to do. And sorry to interrupt, but we currently live in Colorado. So we're, during all this, we're traveling. We're doing as much as we can in Colorado, but we're traveling back and forth from Colorado to Oklahoma to do all these things. Anyway, go ahead. The first thing I had to do was she get me the email about the things, people I was going to need to speak with and all of the testing I was going to have to do. But before I even did that, they had me meet with a living donor advocate. She actually called me and she's she just kind of put it out there. She's like, you understand what you're doing. You understand what you're signing up for. And she gave me a bunch of different questions that they have to ask. 
And she's like, okay, you seem like you're good to go. And these are not easy questions. And I had just gotten to the gym. I rode my bike there and I'm standing outside when the phone rings. And so I'm almost in tears and I have to go in the gym. But she seemed to think that I answered my questions perfectly. So she's like, okay, I'll recommend that you move on through the process. So that was the first thing. Before even any testing was done, I had to speak with this advocate and she, and that's all she does. She doesn't know who the recipient is. She doesn't have anything to do with the other testing. She's basically there for me, for my well-being. And she wants to make sure that I'm good to go mentally and physically to be able to do this for my brother. So after that, then all the testing started. So a couple of weeks later, they set up an appointment for me to have blood drawn. So I had to do a 24-hour urine collection, a two-hour glucose test once I got there, and then they drew blood as well. I've lost count of how many vials of blood I've given by now. I think with everything you've done then and now, we're we're close to, or I, we, like I had anything to do with it. I, th- I think you're close to 60 vials of blood now that you've given. And then, of course, you have to fast and there's certain restrictions that you have to do in order to do these tests. But they were able to do all of that here in Durango and they sent all the results off and that was pretty easy. Another thing I had to do after that was do a colonoscopy. Now, I'm of the age where my gynecologist said, this is something you need to be thinking about anyway. So I had been told that in January. I was like, I got to do it anyway. So I had to have a colonoscopy. Now, here's the thing with the kidney acquisition group. If it's for your health, you have to pay for it. But everything that they are doing for the kidney part, his insurance will pay. So um, even though the colonoscopy is to make sure I'm good for the donation, it's for my health and to make sure I'm healthy after the donation. So we had to go have a consultation and then we scheduled it for the next week. And so I have to watch what I'm eating, do a liquid diet. There's a lot of things that go in a colonoscopy. If you've had one, not a big deal. It wasn't the most pleasant experience beforehand, but I didn't know anything was going on during the colonoscopy and I was out. So that all went fine. I was cleared. He's like, I don't need to see you for another 10 years. I'm like, awesome. So check that off the list. And then two, so we had to pay for the colonoscopy and then some of the other stuff. And then also all the travel back and forth we're paying for as as we're doing this. But anyway, go ahead. After that, my next round is actually going to be in Tulsa. So in September, I had to do another 24-hour urine collection and then a blood draw. Around September the 18th, we a couple days before, we drove to Tulsa, got all ready to do this. They took another, I don't know how many vials of blood. While we're doing this, I get a, it's a two-day thing. You're going to bang, bang, bang. You're going to go from one appointment to the next. After I got my blood drawn, I had to go get a CT angiogram of my abdomen to identify the renal vessels. I had to have, then I went to the chest x-ray. Then I had to have an EKG. And then after that, I went to the living donor clinic and I met with my living donor coordinator who I've been emailing with. She's great. And then I had a visit with the nephrologist, a social worker, 
my living donor advocate, again, the same lady that had called me initially, and then a dietitian. Then after that, I had to go see a transplant surgeon and get a consult. He basically kind of explained how do they decide which kidney they're going to take. It's based on how much basically tubing they have, you have from one kidney to based on the other and it's, so that's, it's all it's always the right one from the donor that was good that was all day and then the next day I got up and I had to have a stress test and then they did a what's called an MRCP and I can't say what this is I don't even know how it's called a magnetic resonance something 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 but basically they saw something in a bile duct and it looked slightly enlarged, but on the x-rays, they couldn't tell what it was or why it was slightly enlarged. So they wanted to delve deeper a little bit and see if they could figure out that. We did that, and then they decided that they really couldn't tell exactly what was going on with the bile duct. They scheduled a week later, I had to go to a gastroenterologist specialist they looked at all my x-rays, they looked at everything and they said, yeah, we probably need to do an endoscopy to go in and just make sure you don't have a stone or there's something blocking in there. We just, we can't tell from everything. Unfortunately, I had to schedule that and it couldn't be done right then. So we had to schedule it for a couple months later when he had availability and we had availability. They got you from both ends, right? The colonoscopy yeah. and the and, and, and the end endoscopy, and that was determined to be for her health and not for the kidney. Again, so that was that falls on us to pay for. So we get all that done, and then we come home, and I have to meet with my general practitioner daughter or doctor. They want to go over a couple levels of when they tested my blood and stuff. They found that my iron was really low, which we knew is kind of a family thing. And then also my cholesterol was slightly high. So with the iron, my mom has been anemic pretty much ever since she had, starting with me. And then I've had issues with iron and now my daughter has issues with iron levels and what happens is we get dizzy and we get lightheaded and we just don't have any energy. Come to find out, I have plenty of iron in my blood. It's that it's not absorbing like it should. And so I had been taking iron pills just over the counter, but I needed something more specific. And so I have to take a 65 milligram ferrous sulfate iron in order for it to try to get it to absorb better with a vitamin C and a multivitamin. I take those every day. It doesn't seem like it's improving, but we'll see. The cholesterol, it's not a bad cholesterol. It's just slightly above the, the normal range. But I also have a family history with my mom and dad having high cholesterols. They think that it could be related just through family. But we're watching it. And he said, didn't want to put me on any medication at this time. Between the iron and the cholesterol, he talked and he just wants to monitor me. And then when after that, and I submitted all those records and everything, then I have to go before a board. I don't have to be there, but my records and have to go through the board. I think your advocate's there as well, right? Yes, my advocate's yeah. there. Or not the advocate, but the... Holly. The, the coordinator, yeah. Coordinator, okay. 
So Holly's there. She basically presents everything. I'm a match on everything. I'm I'm a match with his blood type, all of the cross-matching and everything that's been done. Um, they've tested for diseases and all kinds of stuff. So everything they've tested for, we are a, a good match. So we have to go before the board and they have to approve or not approve whether you can donate. So they were concerned about my low iron, but after speaking with Holly, the coordinator, and my GP here in Durango, it was decided that if need be, they would give me an iron infusion. They had talked about doing it before the surgery, but it's been decided now that I think we're going to see how it goes. And if I need one after the surgery, that they will do it or during or whatever. They don't think I need it before. Right at the end of November, my records went before the board and it was a long day. So basically they do these surgeries once a month right now, the third Thursday of every month in Tulsa. This is their the, their process. And so they meet and it's an all-day process because you have all these people that are needing kidneys and trying to get donors and everything. So it was a very anxious day. My brother was texting me. My sister-in-law was texting me. I was antsy. I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. And finally, about three o'clock, I sent an email to the coordinator and she, I guess she's, she, and she replied back. She said, we're still in the meeting. We're still going through things, but I just want to let you know, you are approved. But and then she said, I'll send you an email later with all the, the details and stuff. So it was a very long day, but good news came out of it and I was approved. So as of the end of November, I was officially approved. So then after that, we have to decide when we want to have the surgery. And it's really based on my brother. His function of his kidneys is getting to the point where he's really close to having to have dialysis. And he does not want to do that if he can help it. So we originally had planned May because they're both teachers and coaches. And that would be like the best time for them to have off because he's going to be off more than I would be. But based on his quality of life and everything that's happened, his levels just keep dropping significantly. So we decided that February would probably have to be the date. So based on him and what he needs, based on our schedule, February was decided. So we're here now, but I do want to back up just a minute and talk about like all of the team members really quickly and just make this statement. Going into it, they told us that as far as I know, outside of Holly, nobody knows who the recipient is. And if they ever said that it got too overwhelming for you or anything else and you decided you didn't want to donate, they basically say, you just tell us that. We'll tell the recipient that you're not compatible. Parachute's open. We're done. Nobody has to know a thing and it's all over with. All of the people on Kimberly's team, her brother has a team that doesn't know who Kimberly is, I don't guess, outside of the surgeons. So there's like, 15 people involved in this probably just just on the immediate team. And that doesn't include like all the different doctors you're going to and everything else. So she's got her coordinator mm-hmm. and then you've got your advocate. Yes. You also saw a dietitian. Yes. 
a mental health person. Social worker. Social worker, but for like the mental side of it. Yeah. And a nephrologist. And the nephrologist. So that's five people that are all on there supporting her. I think it's really important to understand how much support you have when you go through this process. We get you through this process. We get you approved. I will say, if you guys know and hear me talk about Kimberly, she's she's a workout queen and uh, she aced the stress test and everything. So that was all good. So we get the approval. What thoughts, if any, did you have when after the approval was was given to you and they said, okay, you're approved, we're moving forward. Now you're going to get me to start crying. Ah, I'm not kidding. So it hadn't really sunk in yet. Just doing all this testing, you're not officially approved until you're officially approved. And so it was always the possibility, but it was also the possibility that it wouldn't happen either. So I hadn't let myself go there yet. But after... They said, okay, you're approved. That's when it finally hit that he was that bad and that he has to have this. That's when it finally hit me. It hasn't changed my mind. I was just more determined that we just need to get this done as soon as possible so that he can start living his life again because he's not living now. He's He is, but he isn't. I just want to give that back to him and hopefully it all works out that it does. So so what types of, outside of all of those people, and I'm, I'm thinking about one in particular right now, what types of support groups have you found? I had my advocate and I have Holly with the, co- the coordinator. And so I hadn't really thought about it all that much until just a couple weeks ago, actually. And I thought, hmm, I wonder on Facebook, if there's like a support group or something. And so I looked it up and of course, there's a living donor Facebook page and it's just for donors. It's not for family members. It's not for recipients. It's not for doctors. It's only for donors. And so I haven't posted anything. It's more, I'm just looking for knowledge and others, people's questions about how it's going, what they're going through and stuff like that. So just over the last couple of weeks, I've been really impressed with the amount of people that are on this page. And it's opened up a whole new, I knew that this was there, but my goodness, it's a huge community and family of donors, recipients, and it's pretty interesting. So, but other than that, just, just you, honey. Okay. I got a lot of shoulder for everybody. And I will tell, like with any Facebook group, about half of what you read, you need to throw out the window because it's it's weird. Some people are like, oh, this is a terrible experience. This is a great experience. I had this, I had this. And and really, we're just gathering information that we think will be useful. And then we're going to go do it. And then maybe when we're actually not maybe a couple months after we're through, we'll do another one and talk about your recovery and everything. Okay. By the time this airs, we're going to be less than two weeks from the from the surgery. We're like, I look at my board. We're 15 days out now. I have more appointments. Just this last week, I had to have more blood drawn here. And then we are actually leaving a couple days to drive to Tulsa. I have pre-admission testing. And so I'm going to meet with the anesthesiologist, EKG again. I'm going to do another chest x-ray, more labs. I have to go to the transplant clinic again. 
Then the Monday before the test, I have to have a COVID test. And then I have to be in self-quarantine until we go to have the surgery, which is on February the 15th. I still have more to do. What I'm worried about is making sure that he's okay, that nothing, because that's what I've seen on the Facebook group. And I try to take it at face value that they're all ready, they're all prepped, but then something goes wrong with the recipient or the, the blood or whatever testing for the donor, something happened. So I'm just trying to think, okay, it's out there. I know this is a possibility, but I'm just having positive thoughts that everything goes good. So I still have more to do next week, but for the most part, we're good to go. And then so basically we we, we got an Airbnb um, for a month because we have to be there two weeks early. And then you have to be there in recovery. You're going to have to spend a couple of nights in the hospital, which they do this surgery with a robot, which is completely strange. But hey, technology, right? They used to have to break a rib and go in and get the kidneys. So now they don't have to do that now. Thank goodness. I'll take this. Just kind of iRobot, just uh, the little Roomba just reaches up in there and sucks it out, right? So we have to stay two weeks after. So we're basically got an Airbnb for the whole month. I guess I'm going to ask this question, like two weeks away from surgery, how are you doing like right now in your headspace and everything? I just, I'm just ready. It's, okay. it seems like it's been a long process, but it really hasn't. I've only been doing the process since, since August. So it seems like it's taken a long time, but in the scheme of things, it really hasn't. I'm just, I'm just ready to make him feel better. And that's, right. where, that's where my head's at. Okay. So any any worries or concerns from you at this point move, moving forward? Not for me specifically. I just worry that he accepts the kidney and that it starts working. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. If it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Then, then the people are going to say, you're going to be with one kidney if it doesn't work. But yeah, that's true. But I, at this time, I'm a match. So we're doing everything we possibly can. And if mine doesn't work then he'll go into the pool for a kidney donation. So he still has resources and avenues, but I'm his first and best choice. So I'm going for it. And and also something I didn't know, I, my assumption was when we first started all this, that, that you're going to give him your kidney and they would remove both of his kidneys or something like that and go from there. But what we found out, for for all of us in the auto repair industry, they're basically going to give him this third kidney and it's just going to be like, like an extra inline filter, right? So I don't know. I don't know yep. if this is, I need to ask this question. I don't know if it's first in, in line or last in line. Uh, he's going to have three kidneys at this point. And then so mine will actually get bigger. And so instead of being 50% functioning, it'll actually grow. And it should say between 75% of what two kidneys together would do. So. And I didn't even talk about that or didn't even think to ask about it. So there's, they gave you a list of things not or things to cut back on moving forward when you have one kidney. Can you run through that real quick? Salt. It's really hard for the kidneys to process a lot of stuff. And so salt is one of those things they say either avoid or use very sparingly, like protein drinks and stuff. They say it's really hard to process some of the ingredients in protein drinks. And then alcohol. I, I wasn't an, a big drinker anyway, but I would have one, you know, date night or whatever. 
I haven't had anything since June. And that's just a self-imposed thing. They say it's not good on the kidneys anyway. So I was just like, you know what? And there's medications. So I can't have a leave. There's certain ingredients and certain medications. So basically what I can have is Tylenol now. So I have to be careful if I get sick about what's the ingredient in the medication that I'm taking. Plus, I'm in close contact with my GP here in Durango and he's monitoring everything. And I have to have six, 12 month and then two year checkups. And it can be done in Tulsa or here in Durango. So people are going to be closely monitoring my iron level, my cholesterol and everything. So it's not like, you know, donation and you're done. They are still with you and making sure that you're good. And I just have to realize from now on, I have one kidney and I need to take care of it and not do anything to put myself in jeopardy. If you've ever considered and you didn't know how to help, go look because people are needing all kinds of stuff. And this just happens to be a kidney. So go, go research. And if you are willing to be a living donor, highly recommend it. My process has been great so far. We'll see after the surgery and see how I feel. They say it's like having a baby or a C-section. So I've had done that once already. So we'll see how this one goes. But I would encourage people to get out there. And if you're interested in, go help somebody that needs some help. No, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for doing the 150th episode with me. I should have bet somebody that I could get you on a podcast. I would have won if if Tracy or Carm would have bet yep. me that they, you never got... Because I know, I know they're always trying to get you on a podcast and, and you yeah. like, you keep telling them no. And so here we are. Yep. But I do know how to work your buttons a little. <laughs> we've, we've been together a day or two. So anyway, again, thank you so much. I love you so much. And if you guys don't think that I didn't tell her brother that if I needed that back to her, I wasn't <laughs> going to, I wasn't going to come get it from him. You're wrong. Cause I did. I was like, I'll, I'll. I'll put you in a bathtub and fill it with ice and get that bag for her if I need to. So anyway, I love you so much. Thank you for being here. We'll follow up in a couple of months. Thanks, everybody. A big shout out to our listeners. Your dedication to growth fuels our passion. And let's not forget our fantastic sponsor, Shop Marketing Pros, who makes this show possible free to you. They're all about top tier marketing for shops just like yours. Until next time, this is Coach Chris Cotton signing off. In this business, every day is a chance to get better. It's time to rise and grind, everybody. Also, make sure to go check out one of the other great podcasts on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You've been listening to The Weekly Blitz with Coach Chris Cotton on the AftermarketRadioNetwork.com. Follow Chris on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Chris is all for advancing the aftermarket.